podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It means a lot and it's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion. As we are joined by the DNF1 panel tonight, we have Courtney Pine and Lee Wallington. As in this episode, we preview the Italian Grand Prix and an opportunity for history to be made by Max Verstappen as he will attempt to be the first Formula One driver to win 10 races in a row. It's an incredible feat and I couldn't think of any better place for Max to attempt this incredible feat than at Monza, the Temple of Speed itself. Ferrari country and I'm sure plenty of the Scuderia involved will be hoping that Ferrari have a much better day than perhaps some that they have been having in 2023. But first of all, Courtney, let's come to you. How are you, mate? And are you looking forward to the Italian Grand Prix? On the 10th day of Christmas, my true luck gave me a bit premature, a bit premature, but I might as well get it in there. <laughs> we'll, we'll save the previews for later on, but I feel like I know where you're going on this one. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you need to explain this little joke because there's a few people mm. that have been commenting on our videos and we love people getting involved in the conversation, of course. So please do if you want to. And of course, if you can. But uh, I think some people have kind of misunderstood why you're singing the uh, 12 Days of Christmas um, in relation to Max Verstappen's success. Do you want to have the opportunity to explain the joke? or? Uh, or uh, I, 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 I thought it was fairly obvious. It's just the Dutch national anthem sounds an awful lot like the uh, the said Christmas song. But look, there's, there's, there's no hard feelings. There was, I put a comment, and I, I personally think it's a good idea, seeing as Max Verstappen is winning so many races... Why not have some respect for his mum's um, Belgian heritage? He was actually born in Belgium as well. So why not alternate it? Uh, Dutch to national anthem, then the following race, go to the Belgian um, national anthem and do it that way. And uh, yeah, it didn't seem to go down too well. It was said in jest. It was said as a joke. But I didn't know that Max's Belgian heritage was such a a taboo topic. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because, um, I mean, the guy was born in Belgium, technically, represents Holland for his father's nation rather than his mother's nation, even though, you know, the border between the two is very, very close, of course, and uh, spends most of his time in Monaco whilst working in Britain. So, um, I mean, you've got the perfect international driver right there. I feel like, mm. why, let's have a different national anthem for everywhere we go for Max. See, whatever you want to pick, we'll do a roulette wheel. But... Um, yeah, so that was that was kind of the butt of it. But um, obviously, you know, big opportunity for Max Verstappen to make history. Of course, currently tied now on nine race victories with Sebastian Vettel and Alberto Ascari, as Mark Hughes, the uh, F1 journalist, uh, brilliantly pointed out. Of course, Alberto Ascari, former Ferrari driver, still holds that record as well of nine consecutive race wins back in the 1950s. So the question is, guys, Max Verstappen, is it going to be the perfect 10 is it going to be 10 in a row for max uh lee what do you reckon i would like to say no but it, i don't think that's the case i think yes 10 is on its way um probably followed um by the earliest uh wrap-up of a championship on record but that's in a couple of races i believe um i think the current record is six seven races before the end so well i'm sure we've got more races than we used yeah. to. So I, I know people talk about comparing one era to another saying, oh, you know, everyone's saying Max is so dominant, but why is it taking ages to win the championship? Well, because there's more opportunities to win races. So naturally it's going to be hard. Well, in theory, it's going to be harder to win a championship when you're that dominant. But we all know that, you know, he's dominant anyway. He's going to win it. It's just a case of when rather than if at the moment. Oh, very much so. But yeah, I, I, to answer your original question, yeah, I do believe uh, Max will... Uh, get his 10 in a row. Um, obviously, we haven't got to predictions yet, but <laughs> no, do we need to say yet. more? <laughs> no, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit, but um, obviously we, we don't know spoilers for where we're thinking the biggest points are going this weekend. And of course, we will get to our predictions later on. But in terms of the challenge, who can stop Max Verstappen? And look, 
we can always make the joke and saying reliability is Max's biggest threat this weekend, and it probably is in all jokes jokes aside. But realistically, when we assess the competition that is going to be up against Max and Red Bull as a whole, who do we expect to be Max's likely challenge or most likely challenge to the uh, top honours at Monza this weekend? Alex Albon. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, to be honest, the way he's going. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's probably a good track for the Williams as well. You know, low, dra- low drag, straight line speed. You know, it's a perfect recipe for uh, the speed merchants, if you like, Williams, to um, have an impact. I mean, maybe Haas as well. They're always the fastest in the speed traps, aren't they? So uh, maybe K-Mag or Hulkenberg might provide a threat this weekend. But uh, But no, seriously, guys, realistically, as much as I would love to see Alex Albon win the Italian Grand Prix or one of the Hasses. Who out of the entire field right now is the most likely challenger to Max? Uh, I think the McLaren seem to have the momentum. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how McLaren get on over the coming races because there was some talk over the summer that McLaren seemed to have a more aggressive um, upgrade strategy come in and they're probably the most likely to challenge Red Bull. So for me personally, you you suspect that all eyes are going to be on McLaren. Yeah, very much so. Um, McLaren didn't have the best run out in Holland or the Netherlands, if you like. And I think a lot of people were probably more surprised that they only managed to salvage P7 and P9 from that race rather than the dizzying heights that they've been experiencing of late. It is a car that's very good in a straight line and it's good um, in some high-speed corners. Not that there are many at Monza. So, Lee, would you agree with that? Are McLaren likely to be the team to challenge Red Bull and Max Verstappen this weekend? Or do you see a challenge coming from elsewhere? I, I do agree McLaren are probably going to be the one of the better teams to uh, challenge Max this weekend. Obviously, as a driver pairing, Oscar is really finding his stride. And Lando, we know we all know how good Lando is. Um, so they really are there. But the, as you said, the high speed may be a bit more of an Achilles because there isn't as many corners in Monza uh, in general um, but the other one would be obviously Mercedes and Lewis so obviously Lewis is quite adamant that out of last weekend that he was on par with Max on his lap time yes different track circuit different layout obviously different requirements um, but George is a, a, a bit floundering at the moment unfortunately due to bad results so not knocking confidence the cars aren't seeing his stuff something's not quite right there for George so McLaren have two drivers that could potentially deliver Unfortunately, Mercedes not um, criticising, obviously, George's performances as much, but can't rely on George as much to do, to have a two-way fight with Max. So I definitely would say McLaren is probably the better bet as a team overall. Yeah, I agree with that one, to be honest. I was thinking along the lines of McLaren as being uh, potentially the biggest threat, of course. Uh, we'll have to see some other challenges. Maybe Ferrari will surprise us and actually have a uncharacteristically good weekend at home which has been oh, that'd be a bit surprise yeah. oh that would be amazing though <laughs> wouldn't it i mean when was the last time they won at monza was it charles leclerc 2020 was it or 2019 2019 that's right yeah that was uh before they uh got told about well before fuel flow gate but um we're not going to go down that revenue again <laughs> i don't want to condone ferrari to cheat to win but uh this rate i'll be desperate for almost anything ferrari do that's good <laughs> anyway um speaking of lando norris did you, either of you see that video that was going around on social media? Um, Lando Norris managed to pull some strings and get Max Verstappen uh, his fixed or a brand new winner's trophy that he, uh, well, surprisingly broke at the Hungarian Grand Prix. That was uh, that was something. Well, it was very nice of uh, Lando to go to all that effort to uh, fix it. Um, I mean, it'd probably be nicer not to break it in the first place, but... <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> I don't think Max misses the trophies too much but it was such a memeable moment that uh, yeah. it was nice to see that one come full circle um, I think Lando I think I remember Lando having a notice saying like this is an invoice for Max like for 40,000 euros or something like that because that's how much the trophy was worth which is an insane amount of money unless of course you're a successful Formula 1 driver and it's pocket change but um, yeah quite interesting stuff to see obviously a good relationship those two so nice to see that one come full circle And um, talking about some of the drivers heading into this weekend's Grand Prix, obviously we haven't really had much of a silly season. And I feel like the first topic of discussion heading into this weekend's Grand Prix is some news that we got last week. And that was the news that Huss have retained the services of both Hulkenberg and Magnussen for 2024. 
Doesn't leave that many seats left on the F1 grid that aren't occupied already. But first of all, guys, are you surprised by that news that Haas have decided to keep on both of their drivers for next year? I'm not surprised in the slightest. Um, both the drivers have done a solid job. Um, I think Kevin Magnussen sort of tailed off a little bit. I feel that the best version of Kevin Magnussen was last season. But yeah, as a as a pairing, I think they've done um, a really good job. Exactly what Haas have needed after a couple of not so ideal years um, with um, Mazepin in particular, and to an extent Schumacher with the um, obviously the accidents he was having and the repair bill that comes with that. It seems that Haas have got the the steady partnership that they really need right now. So in terms of where Haas are as a team and their aspirations moving forward. You couldn't really think of a better driver pairing for them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good pairing. Um, I'm not. If it wasn't for what happened last season, I would not have been surprised by this uh, decision to keep both the drivers on. I do wonder, however, though, could Haas have done a little bit better than what they already have? I mean, I don't want to be too romantic here. And obviously, you know, K-Mag has a very good relationship with Haas. Obviously, you know, this is the second time he's been with the team returning with them last season under very strange circumstances. But of course, let's not forget that, you know, last season, Mick Schumacher was underperforming, albeit he was crashing the car quite a lot, certainly a lot more than K-Mag is doing this season, uh, by contrast. But Haas realised that, they took the approach to go and get a more experienced and reliable driver in Hulkenberg. And you could make the argument that Hulkenberg has demolished Magnussen in the same way that Magnussen did with Schumacher last season. So the question would be, why do Haas feel that Magnussen's the best driver to be in that car alongside Hulkenberg? Is it possible that they perhaps could have gone out there and tried to find someone a bit better? Um, I, I would have said with Kevin, the... He may not be delivering the highs that we saw last season, but that could also be a testament to how well Nico's doing that. Did you say Kevin is flatlining and he hasn't got worse compared to last season? Nico's just come in and gone that step higher um, as a potential option. But it could also be the understanding of the car and the development, the fact that Kevin already knows the team, knows the car historically where they've been and where to develop the car, obviously with Nico's input. Obviously, they're struggling this season with their plan where to develop the car because of the tyre issues that they say they aren't linked to Ferrari but could be linked to Ferrari. And, um, so I think, they're re- as you've said before in previous episodes, they're stuck and having an experienced driver in Kevin that knows the team and really help them to deliver forward. And you think Nico has been really con- um, solid, especially in qualifying, but Kevin has been solid in the race more than Nico because, unfortunately, Nico falls back because the car he's... Out delivered on the Saturday, um, which gets the airtime, but Kevin also is there to help as Nico falls backwards. Yeah, I, I understand that. It, it does make me wonder because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, is there a driver out there right now that Huss could realistically get that could be the difference in the Constructors' Championship for them? Because, you know, let's be real here, it's only four points between Williams and Huss, and of course, every point at that end of the championship really, really counts, but they are worth so much in terms of prize money and revenue to the teams. And if they have to, you know, push the boat out and spend a little bit more money to get a better driver um, or a more all-round driver, perhaps, I don't know, maybe not at this point in time, but someone like a Valtteri Bottas or maybe a Daniel Ricciardo, if Huss, you know, they're a little bit more expensive than Magnussen, but could they be the difference between finishing P7 in the Constructors' Championship and finishing P8? Possibly. I mean, they made that choice with Hulkenberg and that has proved to be huge for them this season. I'm just wondering if, or wondering uh, why Haas have been so quick to retain Magnussen as well when there was an opportunity perhaps to get someone else in. I think a problem that Haas have um, is the fact, if you used to look at, you know, young drivers that really want to make a statement in F1, it seems that Haas... And I'm going to put Alfa Romeo these days in the same category. They seem to lack ambition to really push forward. We're hoping with these regulation changes um, last season that, that, that these type of teams would be hoping to push on, become more competitive, at least get a lot closer to the teams at the front. They seem to be happy to just turn up, you know, as you said, Adam, get get a, a, a mid-table uh, constructors finish and then go on again 
next year. If you're an up and coming driver and you really want to make a, like a big statement, you know, get yourself into the sport. I don't think Haas are the most um, attractive option. Obviously, if any F1 seat is available and you don't have many options, you're going to take it. But I, I don't feel that any young drivers are going to go, oh, yes, I want to go to Haas. They're really going to propel me to where I need to go. Yeah, exactly. And as I said, I'm not advocating for Haas to really, you know, consider whether or not to keep Magnussen. But I feel like, you know, based off of last season, totally understandable. But bringing Hulkenberg in and the way that he has really proven his worth and got some big points for the team. And and Magnussen's only contributed two points this season for the team. You know, not even 25% of the, or just under, just over 25% of the points Hulkenberg has contributed. That's a huge difference in a championship which is so tight right now. It does really beg the question, are Huss underutilising the opportunity that they have? You know, I, I'm not sure. But um, I'll leave that up to you guys listening to let us know in the comment section uh, what your thoughts. Do you think Huss should have kept Magnussen on or should they have tried to find someone to uh, be closer to Hulkenberg's pace? But we'll have to wait and see. There are a few other seats remaining, of course. We have the seat at Alpha Tauri right now where... Nick DeVries had lost that. Then, of course, Ricardo was in that seat. Now he suffered an injury, which has allowed Liam Lawson the opportunity to have a few races. Of course, he impressed at the first race in Zandvoort. He'll be at the car once again at Monza, maybe a race or two after that. An opportunity perhaps there for someone to get the seat there. Of course, Williams. We know Alex Albon is staying with the team next season. Logan Sargent, we don't know that yet. That seat could potentially be available Obviously, we've got the seat at Mercedes, but I think we all know Lewis Hamilton is going to be confirmed sooner rather than later that he will be driving that car next season. So, in theory, we have, what is it? We have the Williams seat. We have the Alpha Tauri seat. There were rumours as well about potential Alpha Romeo with Zhou Guan Yu. Now, he, I thought he was confirmed for next season, but apparently there's a funding issue there, which may create an opportunity. But I think we'll come back to that one afterwards, if that's all right. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But as far as Williams and Alpha Tauri are concerned, those are the only two teams right now that um, have seats potentially that are available. Um, Alpha Tauri, it looks like it's going to be one of Lawson or Ricardo. But what about Williams? Is Logan Sargent doing enough for you guys to definitely have that seat next season? For me, no, he's not doing enough. Um, I think he's he's very much under threat. Regard uh, ignoring his commercial links and obviously the revenue being the American driver and the obviously the growth of the sport in the US. Um, I do think that the the growing um, well push from Mercedes to get Mick back into Formula One is going to be a real threat to Logan keeping his seat. I do believe that it, the seat will end up going to Mick because of the Mercedes link. Um, with obviously Val's being the team principal as well, I, I don't think he's, he's he's going to be in the grid at all next season. Unfortunately, for him, it's a tough one because you know we were talking about this in the review that we just did uh, for the Dutch Grand Prix, and whilst the word from Williams and the word from James Val's in particular is to everyone's got to get round, put an arm around Logan, support him, show him that the Williams team are going to back him. But as we said before, he hasn't really shown a consistent level of progress to warrant Williams being in a position where they have to keep him, not just for the funding, but also for the performances as well, the merit of that. And for me, I totally agree with that because, you know, he's shown peaks, he's shown moments. We saw that at the Dutch Grand Prix, that there were moments where he was quite quick, but then five minutes later, he's putting it in the wall. I know the crash in the race, according to James Vowles, was not Logan's fault, but you can go back to qualifying and see where the issues are. And given how well Alex Albon is performing, you have to argue that, like Huss, Williams are in a position where there are points on the table, potentially, being thrown away because their number two driver isn't anywhere near as good as their number one. Yeah, I, in, I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself too much for those who listen uh, more regularly, but I mentioned it in the um, last episode in the review how distraught Logan looked. You know, he was it was looked distraught for quite a long time after he uh, after he crashed, and look, we know it wasn't his fault, but he did seem like a guy that's under a lot of pressure and was betraying himself as somebody who knows he'd messed up a big opportunity. 
because obviously it has been one of his better weekends and he's lost the opportunity to pick up some good points for Williams. So he's going to be very hopeful he's going to get another opportunity or two before the end of the season. But his body language did speak volumes to me. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, this isn't helped by the situation in F2 right now because you can ask the question, if Logan Sargent's not going to be driving that Williams next season, who is? First name that comes to mind is Frederick Vesti at the moment, who has, you know, obviously a Mercedes development driver, I think uh, leading or in the fight for the F2 championship. I can't remember off the top of my head if he's first or second. But, um, you know, he's very much in that position where he could win the F2 championship. And with those Mercedes links to Williams, that provides a golden opportunity, surely, for a driver of his calibre and pedigree uh, and backing to get into that Williams seat next season if Williams feel that Logan Sargent is not quite at the standard. And let's not forget as well, Mick Schumacher as well, another driver at, at Mercedes that currently reserved there. He could very much find himself in the Williams next season. It's a... And it almost seems rather appropriate for a Schumacher to be driving a Williams, given the uh, representation the Schumacher family has had. Of course, his uncle drove for the Williams team. Michael was often linked to that team as well, so his father. So there are plenty of options for Williams there, really. So it, it kind of makes it harder to argue the case for Logan unless he starts upping his game and putting together the performances that Williams will be hoping that he can do in the second half of the season. Yeah, definitely. The, the the pressure is there on on Logan um, from the those two drivers, and the pressure the Mercedes team is putting on Williams. Yes, they're different teams, but they're so heavily linked um, right now. Um, so, as I said, I, I don't think he'll be there next season. I mean, if you were James Fowles, what would you do? I mean, we can't forget the Mercedes links that he has. Obviously, they're not going to go away overnight. So, uh, I mean, if you were James, what would you do? Uh, I would try and negotiate some discount on some engine parts and or engines in general and get a mech in and just give them a go. And if not, you take a option B halfway through the season. <laughs> and then you obviously decide again for 2025. 20, what about you, Courtney? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're, what you're saying, Ellie. Uh, you, they, they clearly have that... Um, that good relationship going. And, and I do feel that eventually James Vowles will go on to become um, team principal at Mercedes when Toto Wolf um, leaves. So the Mercedes element will definitely uh, play a big part. So I, I agree. I, I think some kind of deal between uh, Williams and uh, Mercedes will play a part in uh, Logan Sargent's replacement. Yeah. I mean, as I said, you know, people listen to this thinking, what were he writing off Logan? I think... As I said, we haven't had much of a silly season. Ricardo going to AlphaTauri kind of just, you know, stopped that altogether. Not that there are many places available, but given how ruthless F1 is right now, I, I'd have to agree. If I was James Vowles and I had to make this decision today, I would probably put Mick Schumacher in that car with Alex Albon. Frederick Vesti, regardless of whether he wins the F2 championship or not, he would be, I would make him a reserve driver at both Mercedes and Williams to give him plenty of opportunities to get some FP1 runs because I know they're mandated to have two a season. So you could easily argue the case for Frederick Vesti to do two sessions in the Merck, two sessions in the Williams, be a reserve for And McLaren, because McLaren have the reserve driver for Mercedes reserve driver. They do, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really, really good point. So plenty of opportunities there for Frederick Vesti to get some experience. I mean, of course, if he doesn't win the F2 Championship. He can stay in that series for another year, so it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for him to do that. But given he's so close, it might not be a good idea to have him there. I, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, as I said, if Logan Sargent's not able to up his game and, and start performing more consistently in, in up in, you know, upper, well, not, you know, dragging at the back and, and crashing, then, you know, that, that that's the decision that probably will be taken. We'll have to wait and see. Let us know your thoughts, guys. If... Would you keep Logan Sargent next season or would you replace him? And who would you replace him with? Uh, let us know in the comment section. Speaking of Mercedes, I think we should um, drag back a little bit, of course. We talked in the last episode about Lewis Hamilton. We, When we recorded it at the time, it did seem like Hamilton's future was going to be confirmed to stay at Mercedes. At this point in time, we are still all of the opinion right now that we are literally just waiting for the announcement at this point, that everything's been sorted 
all parties agreed it's just a case of when Mercedes are going to confirm Hamilton stays on with the team for at least another season, maybe two seasons. But with that in mind, that does paint a rather um, interesting picture regarding not only Hamilton's future at Mercedes, but also George Russell's. Because two seasons ago, this time two seasons ago, George Russell would have been told that he was going to drive for Mercedes alongside Lewis Hamilton. We all saw after the Belgian Grand Prix when George got that P2 because of that crazy race the way it all played out uh, and never actually happened, but he got the P2 anyway. And Total Wolf, we all saw on Drive to Survive, told him, you know, the good news is you're driving for Mercedes next year. The bad news is Lewis Hamilton's going to be your teammate. And that quote has stuck with me because George Russell would have obviously wanted to come into this team. He spent his first season and I thought he did very, very well. Technically, yes, he did beat Hamilton in the championship. But I think we all know that whilst Russell had some the best peaks where he won the Brazilian Grand Prix that weekend. He was brilliant that weekend. And of course, you know, he got the better of his teammate over the course of the season. We all know that there were other extenuating factors at play that which hampered Lewis and that Lewis showed more speed towards the latter end of the season. Going into 2023, when George has had his first year learning the ropes and finding his feet and getting comfortable in the Mercedes, this was the year... I think George Russell felt he could really stamp his authority on this team and lay a claim to the throne instead of Lewis Hamilton. As it stands, Hamilton has very much established himself as the team leader, as he always has been for some time now. And George Russell is starting to question what is going on. Why is he able to not extract the pace? Maybe there are doubts at Mercedes that George Russell is that guy long term. So... What are your thoughts, guys? We have Hamilton on the verge of being confirmed to stay on the Mercedes for another few seasons. Does this cast doubt over how much Mercedes trust George Russell to be that guy going forward? Will he ever be that guy going forward? Uh, I think it's really difficult to... Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult and also a bit harsh to um, compare a young and upcoming driver to a Lewis Hamilton... Uh, Fernando Alonso, and I, I guess now we can even say a Max Verstappen because they are a benchmark. They, they're they're in a league of their own. So for Lewis, you know, he's also in his late thirties now. He is a finished article. I think there's much more to come from George, but I do feel the psychology within that team is starting to show. Um, I'm you, you're starting to see the frustration build from George, not out of the car, more so in the car. I think we saw it again um, over the Dutch Grand Prix. It's made a couple of silly errors, and I, I, I said it in the um, in the Dutch Grand Prix review that there is a very good driver there, Vin George. He just seems to be quite rough around the edges, and I do feel the psychology within the team is playing a part in that. I mean, that's an important thing, psychology, because in the past, when we've seen a young up and coming driver that a team will claim to be, you know, this driver could be the future of this team, they more often than not demonstrate whether it's their first season or their second season against their established experienced teammate, that they are the future of this team. And they show signs that not only are they going to take over in the future, but they're ready to take over today. We saw this at Ferrari with Charles Leclerc, you know, coming to a team which is very much Sebastian Vettel's on the back of two seasons where Ferrari were very much near missing the World Championship on both fronts with Vettel. Leclerc came in 2019, impressed from the get-go and was threatening Vettel. And then, of course, completely took over control of that team. Um, and Sebastian Vettel went elsewhere after a difficult season in 2020. And then, of course, we had the same at Red Bull. You know, Ricardo came in and, you know, really put it to Vettel, who went to Ferrari. Of course, there's not necessarily a pattern there. It's just, you know, that was the sequence of events. But then Verstappen came into that team took over the mantle from Ricardo and made that team his own. I think you'd be forgiven for thinking that the same thing was expected to happen at some point at Mercedes, maybe not right away, but over time there would have been an element of that George Russell was going to be inevitable and take over at Mercedes and be the future of that team. For some time last season, it seemed like that might actually happen. This season, however, it's gone completely the other way. So I can't help but feel that, you know, George Russell's in a position right now where... I wouldn't be surprised if there were certain voices high up at Mercedes that might be thinking, look, we're still backing George here, but 
there might be a few doubts being cast now where there might be a few other options that Mercedes think, you know what, maybe we should keep our options open in case this guy may not turn out to be the future of this team. I I definitely think there's a plan B being worked out at Mercedes. Um, Obviously, I'm not saying they don't have faith in George. I do think they've got faith in George in their back, George, uh, for the time being. And I'm sure George will turn it around. But the fact that Lewis will extend for one, two or more years buys in that grace period to find the replacement driver to replace Lewis or work work alongside George as the, the future of the team. Um, obviously, they would love to have Max in in that Mercedes. Not saying that's going to happen, but putting it obvious, obviously out there, Mercedes would love to have Max. Of course they would. He's the reigning world champion. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... The whole the whole development cycle, obviously, Mercedes like to try and promote from within. Um, obviously, Esteban was part of the program. Uh, obviously, Mix still there. You got the younger drivers still coming through, but they're going to be too raw. So it really be if they can uh, entice another lead driver more than bringing up one of the development drivers. Even if you say Mick, um, like we're saying, with Williams comes in and he really does really well for two years. Really, really be a Lewis replacement. He's probably not going to be um, good enough to replace Lewis. So it's all going to be about getting that star signing. And I think that's really where you're going to see the background discussions already happening about what could we do? What can we entice you? What would make, what would make it worth you while leaving your team? And I think that's really where George needs to be concerned about. For example, if they do entice Max. Sorry, George, That that's it. Yeah, I, I think another thing worth noting is um, we're, we're talking about where uh, Mercedes see George Russell in the next couple of years, but we don't actually know where Mercedes are heading as a team. That they're, they're very much they're very much in the mire compared to their glory days. You know, we're hearing a lot of talk about them aiming to come back next year, twenty twenty five and beyond. We don't know where Mercedes are going to be in the next two, three years. Obviously, the hope is for them to challenge Red Bull. I've, I've, I've definitely said that most neutral fans are hoping that Red Bull will be challenged. It's it's doubtful, I'd say, for the next year or so. So, are Mercedes really going to have that pull over that time period they're really thinking of? And, and we know that Lewis is hanging on for that eighth world championship. There is only going to be a matter of time before Lewis loses his patience and retires. So Mercedes are going to have a lot of issues outside of George's performance. But this is the question, isn't it? Because right now, if you're a driver and you're not in a Red Bull and Red Bull, it's not available to you as an opportunity and every other seat was, chances are you're probably going to want to go to Mercedes. If you're thinking, where's my best bet to win a world championship other than a Red Bull? It's probably going to be Mercedes at this point in time. And I don't see that really changing over the next couple of years if we're talking about who's most likely to challenge Red Bull. That being said, you know, this is kind of the thing, isn't it? Because you've made the point, Corny, you know, how long does Hamilton want to stick with the team? But whilst he's staying with this team and whilst he's committing his future or the rest of his career there, he's still demonstrating that he is clearly your best bet that's realistically available to try and dismantle this Red Bull dominance and win something. And even if Hamilton is performing 100% to the capacity of this car um, and George Russell isn't quite doing that by comparison, you still end up with a situation where if Hamilton has had enough, has Russell convinced Mercedes that if Hamilton goes, they can still get at the very, very minimum 99, 98% of the return that Hamilton would have produced in that car. And this season... I don't, I'm not convinced that that is the case. I think what we've seen this season is Hamilton really raise his game. And George, not only has he not been able to meet that, but if anything, this has probably hampered his confidence and probably caused a decline in his form because we're seeing, we're seeing George mix it there or thereabouts with them. But he's never really in the upper echelons of those fights. And those are big opportunities that Hamilton is at the moment taking and George isn't. And I can't help but feel that Mercedes might be thinking, you know, it's not... It's not a warning. Well, there are warning signs, but it's not something to worry about right now. But there are other drivers out there that could be attained, like someone like perhaps Lando Norris or Charles Leclerc, or if they're feeling really bold, Fernando Alonso that might be able to, you know, after Lewis is gone, might be able to do a better job at trying to win a championship than Russell. I mean, I I joke (laughs) because people say, oh, well, Fernando's older than Lewis. Yeah, but Fernando's probably going to stick around longer than Lewis. That's just Fernando for you. So it is a realistic option for Mercedes. 
It it really is, and I, I, I do I do hope George can find that uh, resolve what he think is missing to get back his performance from previous years. But I do agree. I don't think he's delivering what is really expected of him this year. I mean, he's in the right environment and right team to nurture this and get this right. Yeah. But of course, he's only going to get so much time. And look, as I said, look, I made the comparison earlier with Red Bull and Ferrari, those scenarios, but we're talking Vettel and Ricardo compared to Lewis Hamilton. You know, Vettel was great, but not clearly at the level that he was in his peak years at Ferrari. And Ricardo, obviously, he was a very good driver, but he was never that elite level. Um, so we can't compare them to Hamilton. Obviously, that has to be taken into account. But the same dynamic will apply. If you're looking to the future, they need at some point to look like they're going to supersede the current or the past, if you like. And at the moment, we haven't seen that at Mercedes with George Russell and Hamilton. Not saying it won't happen, but um, if it doesn't happen or it doesn't look like it's going to happen, that may cast a doubt at Mercedes for the future. Um, we should move on before we do the predictions. A quick note on Ferrari. Of course, their home race. Um, one that's not always guaranteed success for them, but of course, a Ferrari win at Monza is always a wonderful thing for Formula One. Not sure if it's going to happen this year, but who knows? The Chuck Mack for stepping in that car. Let's see how good he really is um, and drive the Ferrari. But um, Max fans will get it. Ferrari are terrible. It's not him. It's the car. But uh, anyway, that's uh, all jokes aside, Ferrari this weekend have got a nice new livery in tribute to the successful uh, Ferrari outing at the Le Mans 24 hour race where they were successful in the hypercar. Ferrari paying homage to that. Race suits look amazing. The drivers obviously love them. The uh, the car livery, we haven't seen in full, but there was a render of it from the F123 game. So I imagine it's going to look a bit like that, similar to what they did last season, but with a bit more yellow on it. Um, what do we reckon, guys? Are we a fan of this livery? And uh, is it enough to inspire Ferrari perhaps to go for some big honours this weekend? Yeah, I, I think it's going to look great um, stuck in the pit lane whilst the drivers scramble around for the right <laughs> tyres. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said it would look great on the fifth row of the grid, so it's not much better than what I thought. I, I think it's going to look great when we're hearing the the, the Italian national anthem for the first time this year. Oh my um, God. And I mean that at the start of the race oh, when they no. did that anthem, not oh, on the podium. Right. No, you're <laughs> right though, because we didn't get the race at Imola. So it yep. will be the first time we've heard of this. Oh my God. I mean, talk about withdrawal symptoms. I had, I didn't even notice that. That's amazing. Yeah. But I, I, overall, I do think the livery does look quite uh, enticing. I do, I do hope it brings them luck. But as we know, these special liveries don't always work out that way. You bring good luck unless you're Red Bull. Yeah, I can't remember the last time someone actually done well with a special livery. I, th I think you have to go back as far as... Uh, Oh, what was it? Was it Sergio Perez? Didn't he finish on the podium in Turkey with that Japanese-inspired, Honda-inspired livery That for was Bull? a nice livery. It was lovely, yeah. It was really nice. I can't remember how Max did in that race because I know, did, was it Lewis? Did Lewis win that race or? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, that was that was when Lewis got his uh, seventh world championship. Was it? Was it, I thought that was 20. No, I'm talking, like, was it not 2021? Oh, no, because 2020 was when... Oh, um, yeah, it was so 2020, 2021, you're right, yeah. That's right, because... Um, Leclerc bottled the final corner on Perez, ended up P4, and Vettel ended up on the podium for Ferrari. That's when Lewis won his seventh title. I'm just thinking Turkey 2021. Uh, did Max win that race? With the white, or was it no, was it Bottas that won that race? It might have been Bottas. I can't We're remember. We're in the mud here. We're yeah, in the definitely, mud here. <laughs> definitely in the mud. But that's the last time I can remember a team with a nice livery actually doing well with it. Because, of course, Ferrari with their uh, 1,000th race livery, um, they did not do very well at all uh, in that particular race on home soil as well um, so that didn't go well Mercedes of course with their uh, anniversary livery at Hockenheim that was absolute chaos in oh. that race so um, yeah and, and obviously you know some of the other teams that have anniversary liveries obviously a bit further down the pecking order so it's harder to compare so uh, the curse of the special race livery may continue this weekend but I mean if you're Ferrari how much more cursed can you get quite frankly it depends if Nico's in the pit lane, I guess. Oh, God, if he's taking... This, I'll tell you what, this would be the perfect storm. The, the special livery, Ferrari just being Ferrari, and at Monza as well, because there is a bad luck element there as well. Nico taking a garage selfie of the Ferraris. It's the perfect recipe to kind of counter everything off, and then we end up with a Ferrari 1-2. Maybe. Probably not. But, you know, here's hoping. 
on a serious note, we we all know that if Ferrari having a bad season, if they perform badly at Monza, this is when the pressure is really going to start building on the team. They were given a bit of leeway for a few seasons with this long term project. It started well in twenty twenty two. We all know it went uh, went down crashing and burning, quite literally at times. But yeah, I, I feel that. The if they perform badly in Monza, I feel the pressure is really going to build again. Mm, absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more. So, uh, I mean, Enrico Cardile at Ferrari has been talking up this uh, 2024 car. It's going to be very, very different, very Red Bull esque. But I mean, it's the same thing every year, isn't it? You always focus on next year and hope for the best, and then you see the car is going to look amazing. Testing comes round, it's like, oh, great, another year of pain. So we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I mean, as a Ferrari fan, I really hope they do well, of course, but um, nobody wants to see Ferrari mess up at Monza, but we'll just have to wait and see and hope for the best. Let's move on to the predictions element of this episode. Of course, if you are new to the DNF1F1 podcast, don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel and leave us a five-star review on your favorite pod platform. But in this part of the episode of our race previews, we have different prediction categories. And we will give our predictions for this weekend's race. And the first one is the best surprise. So, Courtney, I'm going to come to you first. Who's going to be the best surprise this weekend? Oh, I said it right at the beginning. I think um, I think Alex Albon's going to have a great weekend, given the, uh, the strokes of the car. And I'm going to be quite specific. And I reckon he's going to have a top six finish. Oh, is that a bold prediction as well? I guess Maybe. you could say that, yeah. Maybe. I like the sound of it. Lee, what about you? Best surprise this weekend? Alex Albon again. Ah, okay. Yeah, we're all on the Alex Albon train. Um, I'm going to go different. I'm just going to say Oscar Piastri. I think McLaren are going to have a good weekend. Um, I'm going to be... I'm. Yeah, I'm, I think it's, I think it's going to be a great surprise, Oscar. I think McLaren uh, will need to return to form after a less than uh, expected performance at the Dutch Grand Prix. So, yeah. Hopefully Oscar has a good weekend. Flop of the weekend. Um, I'm going to say... I think you've got to look at somewhere like... Just trying to figure out the top of my head now. Um, I don't want to say Liam Lawson because I think that's a bit of a cop-out. Um, I'm going to say Alfa Romeo. I think they're going to struggle this weekend. Um, in particular, I think I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas is going to have a terrible weekend. Um, hope he doesn't, but I, I just think that's what's going to happen. Courtney, what about you? Yeah, unfortunately, there's going to be another uh, double act going on there. I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas as well. I just get the feeling that just like last season, I, I, I feel the guy's in full Kimi mode, particularly during his time at Alfa Romeo. And the guy's just turning up, doing his job and uh, doing what he has to do away from track. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think Valtteri Bottas could have a stinker. What about you, Lee? I'm keeping the Williams theme going and going for Logan Sargent. Oh, wow. Brutal. So we're going to have... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is kind of been in line this season at parts that Alex has had a great weekend and then you look at Logan, it's like not quite been there. But uh, any reason why you're not confident Logan might do a Nick DeVries and have a stellar performance in the Williams? I think the pressure is mounting quite substantially on him at the moment and he knows he's not delivering. Obviously, last time out in the crash is not going to... Yes, it wasn't his fault, but it's still not going to leave him in the best state of mind going into this race. And I think he's going to be overdriving like he has been most of the season. And I think it's just going to um, not turn out for him because when you overdrive the car, it normally leads to a bad result and not a great result. Fair enough. A uh, quick one, Lee. What did you make of Liam Lawson? Because we didn't get your thoughts in the review in the Dutch Grand Prix. What did you make of his performance of the weekend? I, mean, I, I think yeah, overall he was a, it was a very... Good first time out performance for a rookie. Um, obviously, overtaking a Ferrari is a very high um, credential to say he did, but obviously Charles did have his damage, so it doesn't really count. But I think he had quite a pleased first time out. He obviously brought the car home. He didn't crash. He didn't seem to make any silly mistakes. So that's a solid performance. It was in mixed conditions as well, which is even more of a step up than just being thrown in, in, a, in dry conditions. So I, I think it was a very... Solid first time out. Can't criticise it at all. It was a good job. Yeah, I mean, his, his first proper dry running would have come during the race itself. Obviously, he had the changeable conditions in qualifying and uh, he wasn't able to, you know, go fast enough to get that far where he would have been in the dry running. So, yeah, I, I thought he had a great weekend. 
If I were him, I wouldn't be bragging too much about overtaking a Ferrari this weekend. I think he might want to keep that one stum, but then, uh, you know, where he's going. But uh, otherwise, yeah, hopefully another good weekend for Liam Lawson. Pole position now. So who do we reckon is going to be on pole position, guys? Um, is it worth asking or should... Uh, has anyone got any surprises for me? Courtney, you seem most intrigued or look most intrigued. So uh, who's going to be on pole? Max. Max Verstappen. Lee, how about you? I've got a feeling it's going to be a Red Bull driver and I'm going to go with Max. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say Charles Leclerc Ooh. on pole. Oh, mate. No, no, no. <laughs> what do you mean no? No, no, no. Look, 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 look. You, 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 sound, you, sound, you sound like Ty from AFTV right now. No, I'm, uh. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I can't. Adam, Adam, I'm fully supportive. You have a, a lot of great takes on this channel. But I can't. I can't stand for this one. I can't. Why not? It's it's just not going to happen, mate. Sorry, <laughs> I don't, don't want to burst your bubble. Coming from a West Ham fan, we don't like to see bubbles burst. But I can't, Adam. I, I can't. I I know you've had a long day, mate. But uh, look, no, no. Well, that's my that's my bold prediction. So um, you know, I, I'm sticking with it. I, I didn't say he was going to win the race. I just said it was going to be pole position. So uh, you know, Charles has got well, technically two poles this season, albeit. And um, you know, it's funny because um, they were talking about the DRS removal thing again. Not to bring that up, but it wouldn't have made a difference in terms of who actually got on pole for every race except for one, and that was Austria. And that would have been Leclerc on pole for that race. So the Ferrari speed is there on a track with straight lines. And I feel like maybe in qualifying, you know, Leclerc might be able to pull it out of the bag on, you know, home soil for the Scuderia, maybe. So if he doesn't crash it. it uh, yeah, it's the hope that kills you. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, he'll do two purple sectors and there'll be a yellow flag. And it's like Leclerc at uh, Parabolic. And, and it's like, oh, great. That's, uh, that's, that was fun while it lasted. But uh, no, I'm sticking with it. Uh, race winner, uh, Max Verstappen for me is 10 in a row. Yeah, Max. Yep, the, the tenth He's... day of Christmas is soon upon us. Yeah, we'll be hearing that song again. I'm certainly sure about it. Uh, who's going to be on the podium this weekend? Uh, Courtney, let's go to you first on this one. Who's going to be on the podium? Um, unfortunately, I, I feel that the, the Red Bull DRS overkill is going to be stronger than ever. So I feel that even if Sergio Perez does his typically uh, rubbish um, qualifying, he'll find it a lot easier to pick the uh, opposition ahead of him. So I think it'll be a Red Bull 1-2. And I do agree with you, Adam. I think uh, McLaren will have a strong weekend. And I think Lando Norris is going to complete the uh, traditional Max Verstappen-Perez-Norris trio. What about you, Lee? Uh, I think Lando and then Lewis. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I was sort of wondering because um, Mercedes, where do you put them in all of this? Because this is going to be a track where I expect them to struggle, but not enough where I put, thought they might flop this weekend just because it's so draggy and it's a, it's a track that's going to rely on uh, high speed and low da- well, low downforce, low drag. It's not really a track that will suit Mercedes, but somehow I can imagine Hamilton pulling some sort of magic out of him as he often does Rand uh, a lot of these places where you don't expect them to do well. I'm sure George will be all right. Um, but yeah, so for me, I'm not sure they'll get on the podium, but, uh, for me, I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm just going to go Red Bull one, two, Max Perez. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the bold stuff again. Call me Ty if you like, call me. I'm going to go with Leclerc P3. I think Ferrari, <laughs> hopefully they'll have something to shout about. Maybe it's because they're coming home and it's all looking nice and the livery's great. I feel like surely Ferrari are going to have something to cheer about this weekend. And, uh, uh Adam, maybe it's the Ferrari started, fan in me. I have something to ask you. If it rains at Monza and the oh, doesn't screwed. get the result you want, are you are you going to say, oh, it was raining, so? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was raining, but just for them. Like, everyone else had dry conditions, but Ferrari had to drive in the rain for some reason. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll Adam, do that. Yeah. Adam, if if you, like, if, if Ferrari, like, have a terrible, terrible, like, weekend, say they're both DNF, I want to make this, like, a really terrible one. Can you do a forfeit and get like a, a pair of Ferrari headphones and like a full Ferrari kit the way the tie does of Arsenal? 
I tell you what, if it all goes horribly wrong for Ferrari, I'll wear the full Ferrari get up for the next episode. The hat, the shirt and everything. I might even put on a jacket, <laughs> even though I'm not cold on top of that Ferrari jacket. Uh, I haven't quite got the headphones for it. And I'll just spout utter nonsense, make excuses for Ferrari and go full tie on this. How about that? Does that sound fair? Oh, I love it. Love it. Okay. Right. So best of the rest. So this is the best finisher that we predict that isn't driving at this point in time a Red Bull, Aston Martin, Ferrari, Mercedes or McLaren. Uh, although at this rate, Ferrari might end up being in that argument altogether. So we're basically talking who isn't in one of those top five cars. Corny, let's go to you first. Who's going to be the best of the rest? Um, I, I guess I can make it a two and one because I said Albon. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Lee, how about you? I think actually it's a three and one. Um, because it's your bold as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Alex Albon. <laughs> yeah, Alex I'm gonna I'm gonna go Albon as well. I just think this is gonna be a perfect opportunity for Williams on a we call them the speed merchants and they've been good at other places as well, but you gotta utilise the strengths and Williams were great here last year, especially in Nick DeVries' hands and that special performance. So why can't Alex Albon do Alex Albon things once again? I think the guy's been amazing this season. There is an argument that Alex Albon should be one of the top five drivers so far this season on pure merit. Um, I had heard this thrown about a bit. I agree with that. I can't really argue against that, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, let's get all get on the Alex Albon train. Best of the rest. Bold predictions. Well... Courtney and I have already done mine. Just to recap, I'm predicting Charles Leclerc pole position for Ferrari. Courtney, um, how do you want to quantify this for Albon uh, in terms of probably top 10 maybe? Or do you want yeah, to no, be best I, I reckon on I reckon top six. Oh, top six. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah, you said earlier, top six. All right, very, very bold. Lee, what's your bold prediction? I'm going to go out and be optimistic that we're going to have a fight for the race win that's not going to be uh, uh, between the Red Bulls. Oh, interesting. That's the most bold thing. I, t- I, t- <laughs> I gave you grief for the shoulder club. This is wildly. This is what is going on tonight. <laughs> I'm intrigued, Lee. Who is this? Uh, I mean, this doesn't have to count towards your bold prediction, but uh, what what are you imagining for this race? Who's going to be I'm involved? What I'm imagining is, is Lando and Max. Oh. Lando and Max having a good tussle. Um, a good giggle um, afterwards. Like, oh, wasn't that fun? You know, you know how they um, get on and have so jovial about it. But I think they're going to have a, a, a good fight um, through this uh, weekend. Is there room for a Ferrari in this uh, dream of yours, Lee? <laughs> Can we make? I'm some really room? expecting to mess it up. I'm afraid, Adam. <laughs> Calm down, headphones. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I just want one thing this season. Why can't I have it? Um, oh, well, you know, maybe we will. Maybe we will. And I'll be able to sit there with pride with all my Ferrari gear and you'll look foolish. But uh, we shall see. But guys, let us know your bold predictions for this weekend's Italian Grand Prix. I mean, the last time out at Zanfor, I don't mind saying I think it was probably one of the races of the season, if not the race of the season, albeit not a very high bar by comparison to what we've had so far. But Hopefully, the Italian Grand Prix will serve to be almost as exciting as what we saw at Zanvoort. Time will tell. But until then, thanks for tuning in as always. Please stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.